The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. Yeah, people troll. I'm one of them. That's exactly what I would do. <laughs> people, well, I hate you, so you know. <laughs> That's fair. People, you're free to concede. You, It's your job to win the game. I don't people care. People were And now it would be fucking chaos incarnate if it was legal now. So, like, like I think in its in the state in which it was, it was fine, but obviously Wizards know that they don't. So if they're looking at that going, yeah, we oh. know Expressive Iteration and fucking Ragavate are coming yeah. down the pipe. This card needs to go. Yes, but I've got my Joker and he counters your Batman. That's true. <laughs> but I could but if I tap Harley Quinn, she will distract oh. Joker. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel, proud members of the Plain Soccer's Podcasting Network, and we're here to talk magic. How's it going, Jake? Tired. Long. It's been a long day. I'm a delivery driver, and currently the town I live in is having a college rush. I don't know if you know this listener, but when people go to college, they don't bring very much anymore. Because I will bring it for them. Yep, they just order a bunch of furniture. So just and long days at work. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I hate anybody for choosing to buy a mattress. It's just unfortunate that I have to deliver that mattress to the third floor sometimes. Correct. Most of the time. Yep. Everybody at the first floor goes to Walmart and they buy their own mattress. Yeah, it, seems, it seems like UPS gets all the first floor stuff. I don't, they must have a better contract uh, figured out. Yeah. So how was your day? Well, today was my day off. So as good as my days will be for the next six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm ready for my day off already, and it's Tuesday. I did not watch Berserk. <laughs> you, were, you had one job to do, Jake, outside of your actual job. You had one job to do, and it was watch the first yep. episode of Berserk. Matt and I were like, we needed something to talk about for our next episode, something to kind of get the juices flowing. And he was like, you should watch Berserk, this really cool anime. He gave me the box set. I have the DVDs at home. And I was like, you know what? I'll watch Berserk. And then I slept three times and never watched Berserk. <laughs> so, that being said... <laughs> What do you want to talk about today, Jake? I think I'm ready to go berserk on magic. Yeah, so let's start with the uh, challenge results. We started. We want to start doing uh, a brief overview of the challenge results as they come out. Anything relevant that we see? We're going to start with modern because we're going to do focus mostly on our eternal formats, which I'm going to give you a little spoiler alert. I don't know how eternal they are anymore, but they're still called eternal formats. Yep. So talking, talking about modern, what do we see interesting happening in modern? So, uh, looking at the challenge results, it seems like combo is pretty prevalent, in mon- at least in this challenge. Uh, living End is a big deal. Uh, the Hammer Time combo, pretty big deal in Modern. Cascade's a pretty big deal. Cascade is all over. Getting getting uh, Shardless Agent, that one blue-green for a 2-2 whatever, but it has Cascade, really revived Cascade in Modern, it looks like. just Because you know you have that critical mass. Eight Cascaders is enough to, like, for sure get one or two every game. Yep. Yep, and that's what it needed. So you've got two different versions of Cascade. you got a value deck, and you've got a combo deck, mm-hmm. and they're both very explosive and whatnot. But, yeah, they're both trying to take advantage of uh, what Violent Outburst is the card. Violent Outburst is the instant. And the uh, Shardless Agent to just yeah. get... Which they both do things, like like Violent Outburst is plus one, plus oh, and something, and who cares? Because it has Cascade, and that's what we're casting it for. And you're usually cascading into, I'll do crashing footballs because I know what it does. Well, the nice thing is violent uh, outburst is very good with crashing footballs. It sure is because <laughs> I actually can. I actually saw someone use 
uh, violent outburst as it was intended. Yeah. I think it missed. I think it was his fourth crashing football. So it was a control versus, uh, but he actually used it to pump his team. It was kind of funny, but it gives a uh, pl- or uh, it, but it cascades into crashing footballs, which is a suspense spell that basically makes two four four trample rhinos. Were any of the lists running ancestral recall? No. The, no, I didn't look at every single one in the challenge. I looked at the like the top places yeah, one well, or the two ones that made the top thirty-two. So those are the. And it wasn't even a challenge. I, it's a super qualifier. So I mean, like, like super qualifiers are even a lot better because that show like people pack what they care about for a super qualifier. They're there to win, not yeah. there to goof off. Because like one of the things I don't want to reference, we don't want to reference league play, like doing legacy leagues or modern leagues, because leagues are cheap enough that people have fun as they should. But I'm not looking at leagues to see like what decks are good. People are having fun in leagues. League is um, where you go to brew a deck and to get some reps in with it. Mm-hmm. But when what we're talking about, if you want to see what the actual metagame is, you need to look at tournaments where there's prizes on the line. Yep. Because people need to have skin in the game in order to be playing the best deck that they can be playing. Yeah. And I, we were talking about earlier, even looking at the Saturday challenges is kind of rough because the competition between a Saturday challenge and a Sunday challenge is kind of night and day. And so, like, while Saturday Challenge, the stakes are much higher and people are playing a lot better decks, you will see a sometimes a vast difference in the level of deck and the types of decks between Saturday and Sunday. And, you, like, Sunday is when you see the big names come out, like Julian and Bryant Cook and Phil Gallagher. They show up for the Sunday Challenge. Uh, just a quick recheck on those decks. So Living End came in first, and then Team Your Cascade, which is going to be Crashing Footfalls, came in second, the value version neither is running Ancestral. So it turns out drawing three cards isn't worth it anymore. I hadn't thought about that until we just started talking about it, but that's what, that's in Legacy, that's what Shardless, uh, Bug Shardless Agent decks mm-hmm. used to do, is the whole goal there was to cast Shardless Agent and cascade okay. into Ancestral Visions. But yeah, the whole point was, yeah, t- t- casting a 2-2 that drew you three cards was was a really good thing to do in Legacy, and then it just, it's funny, it's not good enough anymore. Yeah. Like they could, they, you could almost print. You could probably print a three mana two two that like you flip a coin and if you win draw three and it might see play. Yeah, maybe. Um, so I told him what Crashing Footballs does, and that's your value oriented combo deck in Modern. Well, at least that did well in this tournament. Can you remember off the top of your head what Living End does? Oh, I know exactly what Living End does. Uh, it's a suspend version of a card called Living Death. You basically switch the creatures in play with the creatures in graveyard. So what that deck's going to do is it's going to cycle a bunch of creatures in the graveyard and hopefully... Usually big ones. Yeah, big ones that are, you know, they're five or six drops that cycle for one or two. So you're putting five fives into the graveyard. Then you want to cascade into Living End in order to get around its long suspend time. So you fill your graveyard using cycling, cast either Shardless Agent or Violent Outburst, cascade into Living End, and then basically all your stuff in the graveyard gets put into play and you don't have anything else out but Shardless Agent maybe. And then you also Wrath of God your opponent. So if I'm coming from Standard, I might not know what Suspend is because they haven't printed a Suspend card recently in the Standard. What does Suspend do? Gotcha. So Suspend is an activated ability that allows you to exile a card with a number of time counters on it. It'll tell you on the card. I don't remember what Living Ends is exactly. It's three. So And then on your upkeep, you remove a uh, time counter. And then when you remove the, the last time counter, you cast the card. It's a creature, it has haste. Uh, so basically it's a way that Wizards came up with in the Time Spiral block in order to reprint, quote, reprint a lot of powerful cards. So Ancestral Visions is Ancestral Recall, but you can't cast it. it they don't have, these particular suspend cards don't have casting costs. You and that's have the important to suspend part. Them. 
they they had their their casting cost isn't even zero. Right. There is it's, no casting yes, cost. There is no casting cost, so you are unable to cast Living End, but you can suspend it for three turns. And well, that allows you to cast it without paying its mana cost. Yes, but when you cascade into it, you are allowed to cast it. Yeah. So I'll read it. That is what Living End does. If anyone wants to look it up or is, doesn't want to, Living End is a black sorcery. It has suspend three for two black black. So you would act. You would um, as a sorcery. You would be able to play that. Yep. You would activate that ability. Each player removes all creature cards in his or her graveyard from the game, then sacrifices all creatures he or she controls, and then puts into play all cards he or she removed this way. So essentially, what Matt said: you take your creatures and you set them into a pile. You, set, you take your creatures in your graveyard and put them in a pile, aside. Then you, all of your creatures get sacrificed. Then those creatures in the pile that were in your graveyard now come into play. And presumably your opponent does not have a bunch of 5-5s five and 8-8s in his graveyard. Yep, this is actually played a living death deck back in high school using a Scourge Familiar. So basically Scourge Familiar was a 3-2 for 4 or 5. You could discard a card to get one black mana. So what I would do, mm. Scourge Familiar, discard 5 creatures into the graveyard, cast living in with the mana I got, wipe the board and put my stuff into play. I also played uh, some other... I've done Reanimator's big theme with me going back all the way to middle school. So I, I personally love the Living Index. Whether or not it's good for a meta is up for debate. Yep. But it's, you know, it kind of tickles my fancy. If I was going to play Modern, I would actually probably play Living End. We, we spoke about it a little earlier. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of Cascade as a mechanic. I'm not a huge fan of Cascade decks being good because... I view Cascade as a one-card combo if your deck is built right. So the way these decks are built, uh, and the way Cascade works, I don't know if we talked about it, is it has to cost less than what the spell you cast costs. So for example, Shardless Agent costs three. You can only Cascade into, into a spell that costs two or less. But as soon as you hit a spell that costs two or less, you, you, you have to get that one. So the way you build these decks is you the only spells in your deck that cost less than three are things like Living End. Yeah, the card you want to cast for free. So you hit it every time, guaranteed. Yeah, especially in Living End. With the with the Timur Cascade, there are cards you can hit, but even if you don't, like they're they're playing a little differently. But yes, with Living End, you're going to cast Shardless Agent, and you're going to hit Living End. It's deterministic. There's nothing else in your deck that it can hit. So so in this particular build, there actually is not a single li- a single card under three because you have these. Uh, a lot of times in Cascade decks, you'll see split cards. So you have things like uh, fire and ice, which each side only costs two. Fire costs two. Ice costs two. But the way split cards are looked at is they count as four. And that is because of boom and bust. They didn't want you to be able to cascade into boom and bust. Because you could cascade into the cheap side and then choose to cast the expensive side. Why they fixed the rule for Valky and Tybalt. Valky and Tybalt. Because people were, for like a solid week and a half, Cascading into Valky, which is a two-mana creature on the front, and then choosing to play the seven-mana seven walker on the back. <laughs> it's actually still like that runs rampant in standard. The Salty Ultimatum decks, because Salty Ultimatum allows you to choose three monocolored cards, and you can choose Valky because he's mono black on the front. And then, if you get the opportunity to cast it, you may choose to cast the backside. Well, at least with Salty Ultimatum, you're still paying. The, yeah. the mana for pay the seven he mana is for a, it. You know, he is a free big guy, but at least. It's not, seven well, I'll tell you what, it's usually not happening on turn two. They ended up banning Tybalt's Trickery, which was the one in a red counter, counter spell that would do it on turn zero. People were with Gemstone Mines and... Was it Gemstone Mine or Gemstone Cavern? 
Gemstone Cavern, because you can start the game with it on in play, yeah. and then you could use some shenanigans with Simeon Spirit Guide and cast a spell and counter your own spell and get something crazy. Basically start the game out with a seven mana planeswalk. It turns out not paying for spells is powerful. If, if you're playing Magic and you can find a way to not pay for your spells, I recommend doing it. It's at least something you should look at. <laughs> yep. So back to the modern super, challenge, or super qualifier. Uh, I will bump down to the bottom here. Let's look at the breakdown percentages of the top decks in the top 32. If you're looking at combo, and if we count Cascade as combo, we're talking almost 40% of the meta, maybe even closer to 50, was combo. Now, Team or Cascade is more of a value deck. Living End is a combo deck. And number one in this was Pure Steel Paladin, or Pure Steel Paladin, Pure Steel Combo. So it's Hammer Time Combo, which was 25 Modern, at least in this event, was a very combo-heavy meta. Yeah. Well, that's what the best players in Magic have been saying for a long time, is traditionally speaking, it's better to be doing broken things than trying to stop people from doing broken things. And that seems to be what everybody's doing in Modern now, is, you know, getting 10-10 equipment for free. Yeah. Or living uh, in without spend. People talk about the I win button, and it's sometimes it's best for your deck to have an I win button. And these, you know, things like Living End has an I win button. Team or Cascade's a little different, but your I win button is two four fours of trample. But that can end the game pretty quickly. Yeah, very much so, because you're typically then, speaking, you're also getting that shardless agent as well. Half the time you're gonna be yeah. getting a shardless agent. So you're putting ten power on the board for three mana. Yep, and that's, and a, that's, that's very, very good. And trample's really relevant. Yep. So it's gonna have different matchups that it's better or worse against than Living End is, and it's gonna play a little differently, but it's still using the same kind of mechanic. And it's abusing it in a very similar way to generate way more value than it should off your shelf. And the other relevant thing that we saw was uh, almost 20% of the meta was Blue-Red Delver in Modern. Delver, which seems to be kind of walking all over Legacy, we'll talk about that here in a minute, is putting up good numbers in Modern too, at least at least as a meta game percentage. Yeah, and if you look at the list, they're actually very similar from Modern and Legacy. It's basically the new stuff that's been printed in Modern yep. Horizons. So with, much new uh, stuff that we're not even running Delver. Any decent cantrip, which is legal. So you've got probably Serum Visions in that list and then Expressive Iteration. So you go to Blue Red bing, Delver bing. and Legacy and it's going to swap Ponder for Serum Visions. Uh, and it's going to obviously have Brainstorm as well, which isn't legal in Modern. But you're just looking at these same lists. Yep. Yeah, we're not, not even running Delver anymore in Modern Blue Red Delver because it's not good enough. We've got Snapcasters, Merktides, Ragavans, and Dragon Rage Channelers. And on that note... Let's move over to our legacy. How's legacy looking, Matt? Uh, a lot like modern. <laughs> a lot like modern? Are we just playing some modern decks in legacy? It seems Or are like we playing legacy decks in modern? I think, well, strictly speaking, this is a modern horizon set, so I think we're playing modern in legacy. Man, that's, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> These cards were printed for modern, and they are also running rampant in legacy. So we're also going to look at the Sunday challenge like we spoke of. We, we, the super qualifier for modern, we're going to pull up the Sunday challenge for legacy. We ran some numbers before the show just to kind of get a feel for it. Uh, Matt, what percentage of the decks in the top eight, or what number of them, are running blue cantrip cartel? Uh, 52%. Was it the top eight or the top 32? Uh, oh, sorry, the top 32. Yeah, right. so this, the top, this list 32, top 32. Um, 52% have some mix of the cantrip cartel, um, and then probably even more than that have also other blue cards such as Force of Will. Yeah, if you're running Brainstorm Ponder, you're probably running Force of Will. And that, that branches across the combo decks, across the grindy decks, and across the tempo decks. 
50 percent of our top thirty-two. It's clear that the best thing to be doing is casting either Ponder or Brainstorm, and then having Force of Will to back it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Blue Red Delver was the most common deck in this particular challenge. Jeskai Tempo wasn't second, but it was third. Now, arguably, those decks are almost the same. Yep. Those they're, are, they're trying to accomplish very similar game plans, just using them slightly different ways. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're very, very, very similar. similar. The threats are the same, for sure. So if we put those together, we're looking at a 30% meta share in this top 32 that was Effective. a version of Delver. Uh, of Tempo, yeah. Of Tempo, yeah. which may or may not be running Delver anymore. Even in Legacy, we're seeing Delver get booted out for Dragon Rage Channelers and Ragavans. Yep, for years, Legacy players have been complaining about Delver of Secrets almost since its inception in uh, Innistrad. Uh, now it's not even good enough to make mo- the. From what I've been seeing, there will be Delver players who run Delver, but they typically speaking do worse than the Delver players who don't, mm-hmm. because a three-two just isn't good enough. A three-two flyer for one isn't good enough yep. when you've got the cards that are printed in Modern. So looking at it, looking at the rest of it, this meta does look relatively diverse when you look at all the decks. And I, I hear a lot of people talking about how diverse Legacy is because there are a lot of decks putting up numbers. I would argue that thirty percent meta share on one deck is too much. Now that's not one deck. We're talking about Blue Red and Jeskai. There's a little bit difference there, but and it is the results of one, the yep. top thirty-two of one challenge. We can't extrapolate. You know, as our as we get more episodes in the tank, you know, we can kind of look at some more trends because we don't we don't we haven't been watching the numbers as closely but that's a lot for this tournament and then beyond that what you see a lot of is combo decks that can beat delver on clock because they just hopefully went on turn two they put they put delver to a force check and see if they can stop them and win and then decks that beat delver in other ways like elves which is just too grindy for delver and death and taxes which i think was almost built to beat delver uh, Bant Control, which is control decks are designed to slow down and outvalue Delver. And Bant in particular has a very strong advantage versus the other control decks because of Uro and Ice Fang Coatl, which both are forget, very good. Don't forget Endurance. Don't yeah. forget that, don't forget that, that three-mana flash Delver Eater. Yeah. Endur- There's so many new cards from Modern Horizons, too. Yeah. I can't even remember them all. <laughs> yeah. But so lo- looking at this, uh, this breakdown of percentage, I'm not saying every one of these decks is here to beat Delver, but a lot of them are. So we pulled up the 12 posts list that had a pretty high meta share, and we were curious, how can 12 posts beat Delver? And you look at their sideboard, and they're packing seven to nine cards designed to beat Blue and Delver, which turns out is a pretty safe bet, and actually landed them, I want to say, second place. And that's, um, that's what you'll see across these. Is- no, they didn't get second place. They got they, they had several in the top 16, yeah. just to be correct. The, the combo decks that can beat Delver... So Delver usually has a pretty good matchup against most spell-based combo decks. The combo decks that typically can beat Delver are ones that can pivot to a grindy game and outgrind them. Okay. So like that's why Elves has got a pretty good matchup. Elves can force the issue with Glimpse and Natural Order, but it can also grind very well as well. So once Plan A, I mean, a lot of times uh, Elves players will flat out side out their Natural Orders against Delver because they know they're going to get Force of World anyways, gotcha. and they're just going to grind them out. Elves has a very good matchup traditionally speaking against Delver. Uh, lands-based combo decks also have a pretty good matchup because yep. they can, there's, with no uh, exile effects, something like your uh, Merit Lage is going to be very powerful and the way that Delver interacts with combo decks through Force of Will is totally irrelevant. 
with dark depth combos. Mm -hmm. So that's what you're seeing there is you're seeing, and then most of those uh, most of those lands based combo decks also are a little grindy as well. So that's what you're seeing there is combo decks that can ignore Delver. Mm -hmm. Those are going to be successful. You're seeing control decks that are good against Delver. Those are the ones that are going to be successful. And then you're going to see stuff like uh, Death and Taxes, which is kind of geared towards that. And then with all those things in mind, Delver still wins the challenge and still puts up the most decks of yeah. any in the top 30. By, by a relatively large margin. So this is when you start to see... Um, this is when you have to start worrying about potential bans is when you, you end up with a meta that is one or two dominant decks. Then you have the reaction to that traditionally speaking you can kind of get kind of a rolling meta going where one thing's popular and the next week everybody prepares for that and they knock it down the problem is when one thing is very popular everyone prepares to knock it down and they can't yeah and that's kind of what you're seeing here and the other thing that we looked up i pulled up the delver list here in this challenge that i think yeah, was in the top eight so i'm not exactly sure where it placed in there so this is an eternal format we're taught we're we're playing cards that got printed 25 years ago. What percentage of this deck, Matt, was printed in the last six months? Uh, 31%. Of 31%. So almost a third of the deck, not yeah, not counting lands, not counting things like Misty and Dual Lands, 30% of the non-lands got printed in six months. I don't know how we call ourselves Eternal anymore. I mean, we're almost on rotation. Where when next year, when the new Modern Horizons or whatever set comes out, we rotate to a new form of modern and a new form of legacy. And that is really jacking the prices of these formats up. And it's, well, it's one of the problems there. Like, traditionally speaking, with these formats like legacy and modern, you would buy a deck, and that would be your deck for years. I mean, not even years, like five, six years. Yes, like, you're talking about there's people who've been playing lands for five to ten years. Yeah. And, that's and it the, never got anything new. Correct. Maybe and a card. Now you have cards that are being printed at such a high level. They're so strong that they have taken... They're not nice little additions to Legacy or Modern. They have taken over. They've basically forced rotation in, mm -hmm. in these formats as a way to basically, in my opinion, be able to get Legacy and Modern players to spend more money on packs. Yeah, I, I really hate to think that Wizards is that conniving... But it kind of seems that way that Wizards has like been looking at ways they can reach into Eternal players' pockets, because someone like you and me who plays Legacy, once you buy your Legacy deck, we'll buy a little bit of Commander product here and there, but we're kind of done buying cards. Yeah, and on top of that, when you buy a Legacy deck, you're not buying it from Wizards. Mm -hmm. So you could go out and spend six thousand dollars on a deck today and not give Wizards a dime, yeah. and they're well, going that some of you, that money needs to come to if us. If you bought it a year ago, you were buying cards that were ten years old. Wizard, yeah, that do not remotely impact wizard sales. And now they're directly tied to how much you pay for your legacy deck. I don't hear a lot of people in legacy talking about rising prices because I think part of that is people, we play legacy. And there's just a kind of an understanding that cards are expensive. Your deck costs $4,000 or $3,000. But people are definitely starting to talk about it in modern where... We went through and looked at, just on MTG Top 8, so all this is totally you know, likely to change, but we ran through and clicked on a couple random top decks and given archetypes, a couple of the control decks, a couple of the combo decks. I didn't see a single deck below $1,000, and at the, the cheapest. Now, maybe you could pick up some damaged cards and some you know 
moderately played and you get it for cheaper than that or get it from your buddy. But we're still talking in the $1,000 range for these decks that, we'll say, in their current form didn't exist six months ago before Modern Horizons 2 came out. So I would argue will not exist 10 months from now when Modern Horizons 3 comes out or whatever they say is coming next. On top of that, you also don't have something like uh, the reserve list to protect your investment. So, you know, four years ago when I built my legacy deck, I looked at that and I go, well, guys, Cradle's $150, but it's never going to be reprinted again. So, unless the world ends, my guy is Cradles will probably always be worth at least $150. And that's panned out for For a thousand. Yes. Clearly. (laughs) Modern players don't have that. So, what they're asking you to do is spend $100 on Force of Negation so that it can be reprinted next year. Yeah. And then... What, what, What you should expect to see with Force of Negation is what we just saw with Fetches. And I'm super happy they did it. Fetch lands were... I waited to buy my Fetch lands because Missy Rainforest were $80. And I just got them for 30 Because they printed the crap out of them. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I'm pro-reprint. Yes. What I'm saying, though, is, is the, it's hard to ask people to spend thousands of dollars on cards knowing in a year they could be worth hundreds. Yeah. Watsy could totally announce they're reprinting Force of Negation at Rare again. And, you know, maybe they throw a big print run at it and they drop them down to 30 40 bucks. I remember I bought mine for 30 bucks. I bought my Force of Negation for $30 and now they're almost 100 well, and on top of that, you combine the the power level of these cards where um, consistently you're hearing people talk about, there's a lot of chatter about bands. And within the past few years, there's been a lot of band talk. It's kind of worked yeah. its way into most formats where uh, it's one of the more popular discussions people have. But when you're talking about something like Ragavan, which costs between 80 and $100 and you need four of them, mm-hmm. Every time they announce a band announcement, Reddit is filled with people who just bought the cards yesterday. Yep. So they buy. They finally go, oh, well, because Wizards tends to drag their feet on these things. They go, well, it's been legal for six months. I guess I'll go ahead and pick up my uh-huh. copies. And then the next week, they go, hey, we're going to do a band announcement for Modern, and your heart just sinks. Yeah. I would pose the question like this to people. Let's say you have finally decided you're willing to buy your first dual land. I mean, even if we're buying another dual land, and you hear rumors from Watsi that they are talking about ending the reserve list. Let's say that Morrow just comes out and he just says a simple statement like, we have begun discussing the future implications of the reserve list. How likely are you, Matt, to go buy a dual land in the next year? Because you can totally foresee those prices dropping. And that's what modern players... They should look at modern like that. If you're willing to buy into a deck, you should look at that deck and go, Watsy could totally, at its whim, come in, fix those prices. And I think they should. Yeah, absolutely. But also, I mean, do you wait to play modern until they do? That's a real catch-22 they're putting you in. Yeah. I've heard some um, some discussion on other podcasts about, and they're good podcasts, I'm not knocking them, but about how like this might just be the way things are. Maybe we're just going forward, this is what modern is going to cost, and I think that's a bunch of bullcrap. This doesn't have to. If you want to tell me that legacy costs what it costs because of the reserve list, you got some legs to stand on because they've so aggressively backed up the reserve list. But modern, you got nothing. Yeah. And on this, top of that, with legacy, it's kind of baked in at this point. If you're getting into legacy, you know, yep. hey, this costs three to six thousand dollars to build a deck. Spend a year doing it, just like all the legacy players did. Um, there's even guides on how to do it effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say that that's that those cards should cost that much, but it's baked in at this point. Yeah. 
modern do players. Modern, yeah, do we want modern to be that? Correct. Like you need fifteen hundred dollars to play at a, your Friday night magic. Yeah. If you're listening to us, I hope you listen to our uh, to the to the show that we are a sister of, which is the Plain Talkers Podcast Network. We recently got a chance to go onto their show and talk to their fans, and we kind of chit chatted for a little bit, and they were both very open about how restrictively expensive even modern is. They, the, you know, um, Will and Aramis love playing Magic. They talk about it on a podcast once a week at least. They host tournaments for their fans. And, you know, Modern is a really fun way to play Magic, and they're both looking at it going, I could never afford that. That should hit people. And, that, and, and we're letting this happen. Now, obviously, we don't control WotC, but WotC has before listened to its customers. We've seen, we've seen bannings that were because people were upset about something. I'm not saying you guys should, you know, start sending hate mail to Watsi, but vote with your dollars and tell them how you feel. Politely tell them how you feel that this is not what we want Modern to be. Because I'll I, I tell, tell you a little secret. You don't want Modern to become Legacy because you just won't play it anymore. Which is one of the reasons why I was going to mention this earlier. I That's in my opinion, is one of the reasons why you don't hear a lot of legacy players complaining about the cost as much because they're primarily playing online. Yeah. They already have most of their collection. So they go, okay, i got to buy some cards for Modern Horizons, yep. whatever. And then they go from there. When a dual land costs $5 and not $500, exactly. that's a lot easier to pivot to new decks and to keep well, up with the metagame. Rental services have really changed that too. And I've heard some popular content creators talking about how, and they, they, they realize what they're saying. They're not like, you know, looking down their nose at people, but they recognize that it doesn't affect them as much having these diverse and shifting metas because they rent their cards. It's a monthly fee. I have a subscription. It's a monthly fee that lets you play most anything you want, and that's awesome. But don't, you know, don't miss the trees for the forest when, because it's okay for you, this rising price of entry into the game and this unstable field of a game is making it less likely for people to get into it. So, I mean, I don't want to be all doom and gloom. I don't want bad things to happen to Modern. I don't want bad things to happen to Legacy. But bad I things think, are happening to Modern, I think and bad, bad things, things are happening to Legacy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think, in my particular opinion, the metas are not in a great spot. They look diverse, because there's a lot of decks that you'll see. Well, but, they look fine now, but that's in... Well, I wouldn't... Modern looks fine now. Modern looks better, for sure. That's short-term thinking, though. The thing you have to realize is the next time a new big set comes out like this it's not going to look anything like what it looks like now and if we rewind a year to modern horizons one we saw exactly what that could look like where hogak is 90 percent of the meta and the meta is 90 percent hogak 10 percent trying to beat hogak and the top eight is you know eight hogak decks even if we're not seeing that though just the idea that modern horizons three is next year or let's say it's in two years but in two years Modern Horizons X comes out, and Modern is completely different. And, like, I'm buying into Modern, personally. And I'm scared that I'm going to buy a bunch of these cards, and they're going to be completely irrelevant. Because this, the meta is going to change so drastically. You buy into Standard, and you spend 400 bucks on a deck. That's still a lot of money. But spend a couple hundred dollars on a deck, and the meta shifts, because you were prepared for it, because that's what it does. And your deck's kind of obsolete, and that kind of sucks. I'm not going to spend $1,500 to buy into Modern with the meta going to shift, that's scary to me. Yeah. And if it's scary to me, a guy who plays Legacy and is willing to put his money where his mouth is, 
I think you can be damn sure it's scary to anyone else who's looking to buy into it as maybe their first competitive format. Right, and there's a big difference between the meta shifting because a couple cards from standard trickled in mm-hmm. and it made some cool card, some cool new archetype, and and your deck isn't particularly well matched up with that archetype, but you know overall it's not dominant dominant or anything. And there's a difference between that and we have printed. 15 new cards that if you they're so powerful that if you don't play them almost by definition you're making a mistake it's not necessarily the meta shifting it's cards are being uh driven to extinction decks are just like yeah you don't play that anymore because Mm -hmm. it's just not good enough yeah i mean the ancestral visions i mean that's the example i mean it's a good one where you're the shardless agent Ancestral Visions combo used to be very prevalent in Legacy, and now it's not even good enough. Oh my gosh. Like, it's a meme deck. Like, that's, like, you'll hear in Magic people talk about, like, what tier is your deck. Tier 1 is, like, the top tier. Tier 1 is usually the best couple decks, and you can look at it differently. I look at Tier 1 as the the most winning decks, the two or three decks that are the best. Tier 2 is decks that are are still very good, but they're not as good as the best decks. And then you get to Tier 3 and Tier 4, which are kind of, like, just... They're okay they're decks. niche decks. They're people, they you know. They can win. Somebody's but... always going to play Merfolk and Legacy. Yeah. It's the, they're the decks that when you see it in, like, a top eight, you're like, holy cow, that deck yeah, got like last week, Goblins got, like, second in, yeah. the, in you the see, You see Goblins do good. like, well, that's, like, Goblins is probably a tier two and a half, tier three deck. So, and then the step below that is mean decks, where it's like, this deck is cool, but it's a joke. And we're seeing legitimate decks. Shardless Bug that was hoping to... Shardless Agent into Ancestral Visions is a meme deck. Yeah. If you play that, that's funny. It's a meme. Yeah, it's a waste of time. And it's to draw three cards it, when you it used put to be out. top tier, like probably tier two, maybe tier one. Well, that's the thing is, I mean, you can just look at the cards on their face and you go, okay, Shardless Bug is kind of an not necessarily an aggro deck, but it's trying to win through combat, right? Mm-hmm. If you're gonna cast Shardless Agent, what would you rather do if you're trying to win through combat? Draw three cards or just put two four fours on the field? <laughs> Because the four fours are the cards you'd want to draw anyways. Yeah. And now I don't even have to cast uh, them. Yep. They so, just happen. And if you build your deck right, you're going to hit them every time. And, and don't get me wrong, that's coming from... Like, I was very excited. I was on another podcast when Modern Horizons just came out. And one of the cards I talked about was Shardless Agent. How I thought it was going to be one of the most powerful cards. One of the most meta-changing cards mm-hmm. for the for the right reasons. Because obviously Shardless Agent isn't some card that just got printed last week. And it's just tuned to 11. I think it's a fairly balanced card. Politely disagree. Well, you don't like the mechanic, <laughs> but there's a difference between not liking Cascade and not liking Shardless Agent. Shardless Agent has been fine in Legacy. I mean, again, yeah, it, it there's it's a perfectly reasonable card. It costs three mana. You usually get something goofy out of it that requires some deck building, and you don't win the game on the spot. That's a reasonable card. It, it may be you, you know, know it may be a nine instead of an eight. You know what I mean? And you, you don't like the Glimpse of Tomorrow decks in Modern. That's fair, but you the problem is what the you're hitting there are cards like Crashing Footfalls, which came out recently, and then another you know Living End is kind of different, but Living End has always been a deck. It just got a slightly better version of it, so we got a new card that kind of yeah. pumped it up, which usually we're excited about when an existing archetype gets a card that makes it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Maybe Shardless Agent makes it a little too good. You know, there's art room for argument there. I think Living End the one the, is the one I'm the most comfortable with because, like I say, it takes work. Like a deck that requires setup and then combos off is kind of okay. It, it becomes less of that one card combo where because the the issue I have with with uh, 
Cascade is, you know, you play your Cascade, I counter it. You play your, you draw another one, play your second Cascade, I counter it. And then you, draw, you play your third Cascade, and it's like, okay, I can't counter spell three turns in a row. And you win. Like, that's, like, the idea that you could just keep, there's this critical mass of eight Cascade spells, and there's there's many ways to recast spells from your yard in Modern. So you, you get to 12 or, or 16 Cascade spells. If any one of them resolves, I basically lose. Yep. And that's, that's the... Whether or not it's good in Magic, that's the position a control player is always going to end up in against yeah. combo decks, is I need to have more answers than they have threats. Um, now, you, obviously, in a balanced meta, those two things would be in tension and not, you know, they're pulled too far in one direction or the other. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, that's how they beat you is, yeah, you answer one or two, but they have inevitability on you. And yep. you need to put a clock on them. That's how you beat a combo deck as a control deck. But yeah. yeah. But that's why, I mean, that's why you have the rock, paper, scissors. Yep. But there's definitely an argument to be made where these cards, if they get pushed to the point where the control decks can't deal with them, and then control just disappears as an archetype, and now you're left with combo and aggro. Mm -hmm. And that's basically what you see on the challenge results for that super qualifier. I shouldn't say challenge, but that super qualifier, where it's the meta is combo, and then the one deck that's able to beat combo deck. Which is Delver, which traditionally, even in Legacy, has a good matchup against combo decks. Mm -hmm. That's the meta because if you look, if you scroll down a little bit further, the control decks have almost been pushed out. Yeah, it's not only are, are the combo decks so good and consistent, there's also so many of them that you can't even sideboard efficiently. And so, if there's one good combo deck, you go, okay, well, I need to bring in these cards, and then I have a the way twelve you know, twelve post beats Delver is packing a ton of hate. Right, so you can bring it to the sixty forty or fifty five forty five kind of matchup that it mm -hmm. should be. In a, you know, a best out of three kind of match. Mm -hmm. But if there's so many of them, you're spread so thin as a control player that you just can't deal with that. Yeah. And that's one of the problems Modern has had. That's one of the arguments I've always made against the, you know, oh, where there's 30 playable decks in Modern. Well, there's only 15 cards in your sideboard. And so what's going to happen is you're going to be playing Russian roulette at a tournament every time, yep. hoping you dodge the matchups that just face, that just steamroll you. All right, I think we've done about 30 minutes on our brief check-in <laughs> into the Eternal format. So what's next up on our list? All right, so uh, if we're moving on to Standard, there's a couple things you want to talk about with Standard yes. and Historic. Uh, the recent printing of their new, what was it? What did they Modern call it? Modern Horizon Jumpstart. Modern Jumpstart Horizons. Yeah. Those historic are, Jumpstart. I don't the know. The Book of called. Exalted Deeds combo. Yeah, so this isn't necessarily complaining about the fact that these cards exist. I am want people to just kind of recognize that Wizards twice in the last you know six-ish months has has put a two-card combo into a regular format. And I think that's an, a, a clear sign that we're not testing as diligently as we should. So the first thing that happened, people are, I think, pretty aware of this, is in standard 2022, the early rotation standard they have allowed people to play, which by no means is a established standard because it's missing an entire set. It's a very small standard, but it's a. They made it as a regular event that people can have access to. There was a combo in it with the Book of Exalted Deeds, which was a white, white, white for a book that did something. I don't know what it did, but it had the ability to pay white, 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 sacrifice it, and then target Angel you control becomes Platinum Angel, where it has the ability that you cannot lose the game and your opponent cannot win the game. So you pair the Book of Exalted Deeds with Faceless Haven, which is a land that for three mana becomes a creature of every type, which counts as an angel. 
it becomes this angel. You sacrifice the Book of Exalted Deeds to give it this ability so you can't lose the game. It becomes a land again. And unless your opponent is packing main board great or uh, land hate, non-basic land destruction, you can't lose the game. The problem is this is a best of one format. There's no sideboarding. We can build, if we can build a sideboard, this is no problem. Yeah. Or but at least less of a problem. At least less of a problem. But there's no sideboard. So they knew all these things going into it, and someone you would think would have seen this going in that in this new rotated format where you know we're post rotation, quote unquote, and there's no good uh, there's no good land hate. The best one we had was uh, Field of the Field of Ruin, and it's it's gone. So they they go in, they ban the card, it's fixed now. But like I'm still a little upset that we that that got past testing. So moving into modern historic. Well, the funny thing about that, real quick, so the standard 2022 doesn't even have a set in it, right? So it's smaller than regular standard, and they still accidentally, yeah. they're working with fewer cards. They still they're one. comparing these couple sets with this couple yeah. sets, you know, looking for, are, is there anything problematic within this small yeah. subset of cards? And, and they miss it. You could totally say it's just a mistake. And it is. It's a simple mistake. It happens. But guys, this is your job. Like, you get paid for this. And if Watsi's not paying you enough, that's still their fault. So moving into the new Modern Horizons, not Modern Horizons, the new Historic Jumpstart, whatever it is, Horizons, they're bringing a bunch of Modern Horizon cards into Historic. They're bringing a bunch of brand new cards. This is, you know, this this sweeped the internet. This is happening. They're making... And this is a, the set that effectively separates uh, Historic from, from Paper from on paper. Arena, yeah. right? Because now we have, hist- have Arena-only cards that you could never have in Paper, yada, yada, yada. Cool. Everyone's talked about that. That's fine. But inside of this, they printed another two-card combo. Now, it doesn't just outright win the game or it doesn't outright keep you from losing the game, but it's a two-card combo that gives you infinite enter the battlefield triggers and infinite death triggers. And it costs like three mana. So it uses the perpetual ability that they printed where you can give a card a perpetual effect where it always no matter Until where the it end is. of the game, it yes. has that effect. In the graveyard, in exile, in your hand, it costs less mana or it has a lower yeah, weak power. Effectively changes toughness. the text of that particular yeah. card. So it, it pairs up. The, the cleanest way to do this is pairing up uh, Vesper Lark and Davriel's Withering. Vesper Lark is a 2-1 flying elemental for 2 and a white. And it has, whenever it leaves the battlefield, you return target creature card with power 1 or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. It also has Evoke for 1 and a white, so you would play it and it would immediately die. Davriel's Withering is an instant for one black that says target creature perpetually gets minus one, minus two. So if you even evoke the Vesper Lark and it comes into play in response to its own sacrifice trigger, you could cast Davriel's Withering on it and effectively make it a one, negative one. But since it's perpetually a one, negative one in the graveyard, it is small enough that it can bring itself back, but it perpetually has zero toughness, so it'll immediately die. And this will happen Ever. That sounds fun. It sure does. Now, one thing about this is it's unstoppable if there's no other creatures for it to target. I was, was going to ask you if that was a may. It sure isn't. When it comes in, you have to re- you have to return a target card. So if it, if Vesper Lark's the only card in your graveyard and you play Davriel's Withering, the game is over. Yep. It's the draw. Yeah. Unless you have some other way Unless that, you could target yeah, If you have creature. a Blood Artist out or something like that, yeah. well, that but, would end the game. Yeah, if you could target, well, if you could target another creature, you could stop the loop. Or if you had something like Blood Artist or Zolaport Cutthroat, where these ba- both of these creatures basically say, whenever a creature dies, your opponent loses a life, and you might gain a life. But that's, you know, Vesper Lark is going to die an infinite number of times, they'll lose the game. But if you pair it with a 
soul sister effect. So some of these creatures, can you think of one off the top of your head, what they're called? Soul Warden. It's a 1-1 one, one for one white, and it says whenever a creature enters the battlefield, you gain a life. So you could very easily on, let's say, turn one, play Soul Warden, and then on turn two, play something. And then turn three, evoke Vesper Lark, cast Davriel's Withering, and gain infinite life, or draw the game. And then if you played a Zolaport Cutthroat on turn two, you could just win the game. You could also uh, collected company into this and get the Vesper Lark out and a Zolaport Cutthroat out, have the Davril's Weathering in your hand. There's other ways to get this going too. Davril's Weathering isn't the only yeah, one that gives perpetual. The, the deck list itself isn't, you know, yeah, there's the other interesting ways, part of this. There's other ways that it could happen. This is like the most clean. But the idea is this is the second time. Now, we haven't seen it happen. I could totally be wrong. No one could do this. But this is the second time we've printed a two card combo into Arena in a couple months. And it seems unlikely that no one's going to try this. I mean, like, this is going to get played. Whether or not it's broken like the Book of Exalted Deeds is, we will see. Well, what it ends up being a lot of times, if you get infinite life, that's basically what your Platinum Angel effect in the Book of Exalted yeah. Deeds does, where it's going to create a game state where your opponent can't reasonably win the game, yeah. and they're left with the choice of either trying to deck themselves mm-hmm. or concede. And the, and the ability to draw a game is not something to just ignore. That is a powerful ability. Well, not it. Not only can you draw it to you know take advantage of hey you were gonna lose so you're gonna exactly draw. if you're um, in a spot where you're gonna lose and if you're set up that you can play Vesper Lark Davril's Withering and I don't lose the game that's that's pretty good yeah and what that does is it creates I mean this is what happened with in the best of one in the standard 22, 2022 thing is it creates a situation where the games themselves are very they're just bad games of magic. Uh-huh. Where it's just like, I, I need to answer this one thing, and if I don't, not only do I not just lose, I have to either concede, which is obviously what you'd want to do just to save yourself some time if yep. you can answer it, or the the player of it has no decent outcome either. So like if your opponent wants to, they can also make you sit there and uh-huh. watch them play a whole game of Magic, yep. even though they're not doing anything. And you may still win the game, but you're going to spend the next half an hour yep. watching me goldfish against you, and you don't do anything about it, and I'll eventually draw the last card of my deck. You should never underestimate the cruelty of people on the yeah, internet. People troll. I'm one of them. Pe- That's exactly what I would do. <laughs> people, well, I hate you, so you know. <laughs> That's fair. People, You're free to concede. You, it's your job to win the game. I don't people care. People were playing the Book of Exalted Deeds, and they weren't even putting win conditions in their deck. Yeah, well, you wouldn't want to, because that makes your deck worse. Yeah. So there's so the deck has no way to win, except by watching your opponent deck draw out. their deck. Yeah. So I'm going to beat you in 53 turns. Right. Now, obviously, that was dealt with very quickly. Yes, and I'm glad it was. Yeah. But the goal of testing is these things get stopped. Did they even say if they tested for Standard 2022? I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't at all. Mm-hmm. More of just like uh, a, maybe, hey, guys, I don't know. You know, we know Standard sucks right now. Here, yeah. go play with us, this other toy. It might not be balanced. It was definitely one of those, they, they kind of just tossed at people because they had the inkling that people really were unhappy with Standard. Turns out they were. Like, Standard 2022 got played way more than they expected it was. But I just think it's irresponsible of Watsi to create these formats and not test for them. Yep. Like that's I know that Watsi has a lot of jobs, but this is one of them. Yeah. Well, and again, I don't want to go off the deep end here, but Yeah, this is just a minor matters. thing. Yeah. The, like they're they don't have a very strong incentive in order to test. Because what happens is if something powerful comes out, uh-huh. you go out and buy it, and then all they yeah. have to do to fix the meta is just say you can't play that card anymore. Well it's, it's now even, you would get some wild cards back. Maybe, Maybe, depending on how they banned it, uh, what cards in particular they banned, God, whether they or not it was it. suspended. 
but the point, the fact of the matter is, they don't bear the costs of their uh-huh. mistakes. I'm still we waiting do. on my, I'm still waiting on my brainstorm wildcards to get back because right. it's suspended. Correct. Like, and it, this whole thing where we're printing magic only cards that they can quote unquote fix should make you way more scared to commit wild cards to a deck. Because what people don't think about is if I build a deck around Vesper Lark and Davriel's Withering, I probably spent more wild cards than on just those two cards. So when they come in and they ban Vesper Lark, I mean, it happened to me, I had an Oko deck on Arena. When they banned Oko, I still have a Simic deck yeah, that, that has, I didn't get the wild cards that back That has from. no way to win. Right. Like, this deck was great, and now it's bad, and I spent 15 wild cards after the Oko on. And that's what this is going to be, where we have the ability to, at least with the current reimbursement system, where they say, you spent four wild cards on this, you get them back. And it's like, I didn't spend four wild cards on that deck. I spent 20, and you gave me back four of them because you banned the key piece. Or the thing is, they won't even ban them, they'll fix it. Yeah, They can go in and fix Vesper Lark. Well, Vesper Lark's a real card. They can go in and fix Davril's Withering so that it doesn't work for this. And that deck you built doesn't exist. You are completely out your wild cards that we determined are worth... Six, seven dollars a piece, give or take. Yeah. So you throw ten wild cards at this to make it work. Hey, there's 70, 80 bucks you just wasted. Yep, just down the drain. Yeah. So I don't want to talk about this for a, for a while. That's just something I noticed. This is twice that we've had these two card combos printed because we're not testing enough. And that's something people should kind of be wary about when you're building your next deck. Yeah. Um, some good news, if you're some kind of an old head like me, uh, turns out the non-IP, uh, non-magic IP sets aren't going to be standard league. Morrow has confirmed that That's good on his uh, Tumblr. Uh, so the D&D set, uh, Adventures in Forgettable Realms, was a one-shot kind of deal just to replace a course at that time. Yep. Uh, anything further that's not a Magic IP is going to be so, relocated to some other set, whether that just be a Commander deck. So we've got Lord of the Rings has been confirmed. And Warhammer 40K. Warhammer 40K has been confirmed. And we've got, well, that's a secret lair. We have Stranger Things secret lair confirmed. But none of those are going to be touching standard Yeah, they won't be standard legal, which means they won't be at least modern legal, and presumably. So the implication there is, apparently D&D did not sell like hotcakes. Because if it did, they yeah, probably would want to keep capitalizing. That's kind of my thinking, is if the D&D set was super popular, they'd probably keep going on this train. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows, maybe maybe they have some sort of internal working where they were just maybe. like, hey, we just want to try this. Yeah. Just a little, you know... Try to make some money off some D&D people. And one of the things it does is it does bring attention to the fact that they are doing non-Magic IP stuff. So, like, by the nature of having a D&D set, you go, well, is that the only thing they're doing that's not Magic? And then you can go and look into the other mm-hmm. things. So, kind of, so like, I get how you'd want to at least do that once in Standard. So, maybe, maybe this maybe. was the plan all along. Maybe they're just, you know, Wizards pivots. And any company pivots. They're going to go, well, this wasn't as successful as we thought it was going to be. Um... So we're just not going to do it in standard anymore. And the nice thing is, is I imagine the D&D set was, in Wizards terms, very expensive to develop coming up. There's a lot of new ideas in it. Yeah. Um, and each one of these sets is going to be pretty expensive. So the bigger that set is, the more it's going to cost. The more, you know, if you have to design a character for every, or a card for every Lord of the Rings character, that's going to cost a lot more than just designing one. Yep. And so if they can keep these sets as supplemental sets where the, they're smaller. They're just smaller. They can focus a little bit more. So, you know, if you do, for example, in the Lord of the Rings, you do the set of the, you know, you make the Fellowship and then a couple other characters that are well-known. You don't have to put in as much work as just doing every character that's in the book. Yeah. So. It's also easier to, it's it's, easier to make less people mad. 
Yeah, well, and it's easier to balance, too. Like, you can focus on going, hey, we have this really good idea for this. You know, we've got 100 cards that we think can just knock it out of the park. And that's that's one of the con- the problems with, I think, the uh, D&D set is since it's a full-size set, you've got to fill between 200 and 300 cards. Yeah. You're going to run out of ideas. Yep. Whereas if you keep it as a small supplemental set, you can take everything cool about something like Lord of the Rings, condense it into one set, mm-hmm. really focus on each card so each card is very flavorful and balanced correctly and, you know, representative of, you know, Aragorn needs to do what a ranger would do. Yep. Stuff like that. But you don't have to worry about, okay, well, we've got the Fellowship. Well, now we need to fill another 150 cards. Yeah. I guess we're pulling Aon and Faramir and, you know, filling with side characters that... I can list Lord of the Rings characters. Well, too. the big thing there is people may know who they are, but how do you make a Faramir card that's different than a Boromir card? That becomes... They're basically this not the same person, but the same... They're both soldiers, right? Yeah. So... Their their differences in their character, like their literal like personality traits, not necessarily like the difference between like Aragorn and Boromir would be. Aragorn's a ranger, so he's going to know different stuff than a soldier would. Yeah, an elf is going to be. It's going to be very easy to differentiate between Legolas and a Hobbit. Like those are very easy things to make. You can make them very flavorful and fun. When you start having to split hairs, that's where you're going to get into the weeds, and you're going to get some boring cards. You're going to get a lot of misses. I think I think Adventures in the Forgotten Realms actually gave me a lot of hope for these new supplemental sets. Spoiler alert, I'm not a huge fan of this IP crossover that we're doing with Wizards. I mean, Wizards chooses to do it. They don't care what I think. It's this, product. Yep. this product is not for me. That's cool. I have an opinion of it. I don't like it that much. I'm nervous about what it could be, and I'm nervous about how badly done it could be. In my opinion, Adventures in, Forget- in Forgotten Realms was a really well done set. As a person who plays D&D, I thought it was great. I love the flavor of it. I think a lot of the cards are really cool. I love seeing the keywords where, like, Wizards is just, like, nodding it. You're like, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. That's cool to me. As far as power level, it wasn't that strong. I'm glad. It's standard. It shouldn't be. Yeah, and that, to me, the D&D set is where standard should be. Yeah. We're, we're a little spoiled with power level with standard where uh-huh. no set next to Throne of Eldraine is going to look very good. For sure. So we need to... Hopefully this is the trend, yep. but it'd be nice to get back to that level of reasonable cards and standard. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I just it gives me a lot of hope that these this Warhammer 40k commander decks and these whatever the set is going to be that's Lord of the Rings is going to be an okay set. It's just going to be full of things that people like Matt who love Lord of the Rings get to look at and go, "Oh my god, I remember that. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. That's really neat." The cards aren't crazy powerful. The cards aren't format warping. The cards aren't crazy anything other than cool. That, I think adventures and that Forgotten would be Realms my cool. hope. Like my hope with these is I see them everywhere in EDH and I see them nowhere in yeah. Legacy. That's like, what I'd like. Like I, if not a single card from Lord of the Rings or Warhammer 40k hits Legacy, except for you know some, uh, some dude is going to build a Lord of the Rings. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is my Fellowship of the Ring deck. And, you know, I'm going to try yeah. to go to a tournament with it. But as long as they're not seeing legitimate competitive plays or the, they're pushed to the point where they see that, I'm going to be fine with it. I wouldn't... EDH is where this is supposed to be. People do alters all the time. I I have no issues with that. Yep. I think it'd be cool to play EDH because 
you know, EDH is that kind of like dinosaurs battling aliens, battling yeah. wizards, battling. Yeah. I cowboys. brought my spider tribal deck, right? Because spiders are cool. And there's that's where these uh, um, realms beyond is that what it's called? Universes, beyond. universes beyond. That's where these belong because EDH is basically universes beyond. It sure is. Legacy isn't. Yeah. Modern isn't. Co- competitive. Isn't. Competitive magic isn't. Right. It's gonna be. It sounds really weird, but again, from somebody who's been playing for 20 years, it's weird that Urza and Gandalf would exist in the same universe. Mm-hmm. And seeing that on a I competitive mean, level, that seems very strange. I think it's weird that Urza and guns exist. Like, and I'm not talking like you've seen some flintlock pistols from pirates. Like Warhammer 40k is going to bring plasma cannons. Yep, that's and the weird warp. to me. No one wants to talk about the warp. What's the warp? The warp is essentially hell. <laughs> and there's a the whole faction in Warhammer 40k that worshipped like the demons and stuff from gotcha. the warp. So, what, <laughs> so, so, what, so what parents thought Magic players were doing in 1997? So basically, what that means is demonic tutor. You're tutoring some dude from the warp. Gotcha. <laughs> Wrapping up our episode, we saw some posts from Morrow talking about how great Magic has done this year. Which it turns out a global pandemic was good for Watsi. Cool. Yep. Along with Amazon, Walmart, and every other big corporation yep. in the world. Um, but I'm happy. I'm happy. Wizards are doing good. I want Magic to keep going. There was a thing they talked about how set boosters are really outperforming draft boosters, and that is kind of cool. I think set boosters are a better value. I think if you're just buying packs, set boosters are better. They're definitely a net positive, in my opinion. Yes, I agree. I think this would be a bad year to compare the sales of them, considering that for like eight or nine months, it was legally or it was illegal, legitimately to illegal to get eight people together and draft. So I think if we keep this going and if they don't change the way distribution has done too much, seeing the numbers from next year or the I guess the numbers from this year as COVID restrictions have eased up quite a bit, I think those will be more impactful than the last eight months. You know what I'm saying? The next eight months will mean more for what's, what is better, what sells more than the last eight months. The other side of that coin is I think you're going to see a huge resurgence in in-person play this year. I think there's a lot of pent-up demand. Yeah. You've seen tournaments like the Legacy Pit tournament, yep. which sold out in what, less than a week? days. Yeah. And then they, didn't they up it? They, 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 they upped the number they, of people and then it sold out it. again. I think they've almost doubled its size and there's still a waiting list the size of the tournament. Right. There's, there's a lot of people who spent the whole year in their house mm-hmm. doing nothing, playing maybe online or playing arena, Spying and they cards. want to get out yeah. and play. So I, I would not be surprised at all if draft boosters a whole 180 yeah. and drastically outsell set, set boosters. Yep. And at the same time, I think Wizards, all their products are going to sell. It, they could crank out almost anything, and it's probably going to do well. Mm-hmm. Like Kaldheim was uh, perceived as a set that just didn't sell very well. It was the best-selling set, uh, winter set, that they've ever had. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think I bought any Kaldheim, to be honest. Some people did, and Kaldheim was another... An, in my opinion, Kaldheim is exactly what a standard set should be. Yep. It's very flavorful. We explore a world. The world's been very well designed. The it, cards all make sense. It lays and, some really good breadcrumbs. And the cards aren't super crazy powerful. Mm-hmm. Standard cards should not be as strong as Legacy and Modern cards by definition. Yeah, Legacy and Modern are basically comprised of cards that are the oopses of sets. Yep. We don't need to be printing intentional yeah. oopses. We don't need our we don't need a deck to be thirty percent oopses from the yeah. last six months. So I'm I was again very pleased with the Adventures in Forgotten Realms set as far as power level goes. Kaldheim, mm-hmm. same way. Um, I think 
the the last set I think that really hit the just the power level correctly on top of a lot of other things. The set was very popular. Was Dominaria. That set knocked it out of the park. It was great for literally every format that mm-hmm. I mean ev- rum- every format got fun good cards out of it. Rumors went we going back. I I would love that. I as, think again as an old player going back to Dominaria was great. I loved the way they tweaked, you know, hey, you know, this is Gerard, this is what he's doing now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's a little different. The 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 uh Weatherlight crew is back with tweaks. That stuff was great. I like just opening packs was fun and just seeing you know, our childhood. Well, your childhood. The, yeah, my childhood for sale at Walmart again. Yeah. I think by this time next week, we might have our roadmap for the sets coming out next year. So I'm really excited to see where... I've heard rumors about Kamigawa. I've heard rumors about Dominaria. The the rumors I've heard, and I, there was something floating around. I can't remember what it was that lent a little bit of credence to like a cyberpunk Kamigawa. And I think I, I heard that too. Like it's like Kamigawa, a thousand years in the future, yeah. where it was. Huge fan of Cyberpunk sitting on this end of the table. I don't in, know about that. In my opinion, this might, be, this might be our first argument. You don't have to like Cyberpunk, but oh my gosh, you I know, don't want I don't want semi-automatic pistols. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I I don't care. <laughs> We've had all kinds of other stuff, and I get that there's you know. There's weird stuff going on, but a cyberpunk universe could make sense within the context of magic. Yeah. So you you planeswalk to a world that's advanced in technology beyond what the other ones have. Within the context of magic, it makes sense. Basically, it's Kaladesh, I guess. It's Kaladesh. Again, it's Kaladesh with slightly different tech. Yeah. I mean, Kaladesh has trains and vehicles and ships that's and true. a developed society and robots and, robots and stuff like that. That stuff has all been in there, so... Cyberpunk, it's it's not for everyone. It's for me, for yeah, sure. If, Might if not they be do for a, me. if they, so I, I haven't bought a pack of a standard legal set since Time Spiral. If they print Cyberpunk Kamigawa, I'll probably buy a case. <laughs> that's like, gonna be your magic budget I for will, the month, for the year. If that's the case, it wouldn't surprise me if there was if I made an EDH deck for every single legendary. Oh wow! I love Kamigawa. I loved the original one. I know it's not super popular. The mechanics were kind of parasitic with a splice onto arcane and soul shift and whatnot. But the flavor of that set was so good. Well, it was great. Well, Morrow, since you're obviously listening to our yeah our podcast, you now Cyberpunk Kamigawa. <laughs> Matt has not spent money on magic in a long time. That's a, so one of the things you're going to notice as you listen to our podcast is we're not we are not afraid to criticize wizards. But I mean, I'm literally tearing up a little bit at the excitement He's for a happy. cyberpunk set in magic. Like that's that's amazing. To me. I love magic. This I just the, want it to be its best self. To use a corny phrase. This is absolutely the best way for Watsi to let Matt down one more time. Right. <laughs> it's to leak rumors that there'll be a cyberpunk <laughs> Kamigawa and then not run it. I'm out. <laughs> How dare you? Yep. <laughs> How dare the internet say things that might be false. Correct. So, Anything else we got, Matt? I think that's it for the day. I think so. then we can wrap our episode up. Uh, we're super happy to have you guys along. If you ever want to reach out to us, ask us some questions, give us some advice, troll us, point those at Matt. Yep. 
Yeah, point all the trolls <laughs> you want at me. I love a good troll. Hit us up. We got a Facebook group at Cantrip Cartel. Uh, Instagram and Twitter, also Cantrip Cartel. You can even email us at cantripcartel at gmail.com. Yep, don't forget to check us out on the Planestalkers Discord as well. We have a channel. We have our own channel in there. Check out the Planestalker podcast. Those are great, great. Those were great guys. I'm very excited to be part of their podcast. And yeah, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Spotify. Let us hear what you want to hear. And on that note, I think we're going to head on out. All right. Have a nice night, guys. Oh, uh, on my upkeep, I'm going to hold priority.